The Matt Wyatt Show podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. Buying or selling, make sure you go there first. Online at mslandbank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. All right, rolling along. It's hour two. Thanks for tuning in, staying in, hanging on, don't let go of the rope, all that kind of stuff. New suggestions on Facebook is where I saw it first. Echoed by Dog in Tigerland on Twitter. Suggestions for what those letters on Lane Kiffin's shirt actually need to mean going forward. LFG, we know what it stands for, LFG. But Lawrence on Facebook said, Leech for Governor. <laughs> well, you know, underneath it says Lane Train. Yeah. Under the LFG, which is a, you know, takeoff, <laughs> as we said earlier, the SEC logo. Right. It was the Lane Train. Why couldn't it be Lincoln, Fargo, and Ganoche? <laughs> Up on the Lane Train. That's it. <clears throat> I like it. What I would like to do is jump into the text. Bulldog Barney and Flowtown Ghost and so many others. James and Denzel and B-Dog and Nick and Jason and 247 and everybody. I want to get to some of those from hour one because there's some good stuff in there. We're going to do that. But first, today is National Coffee Day. I need to fill the cup with hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. I got it in the thermos over here. So while we do that, let's start hour two correctly. 25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Sindidi dandy do. It's good. It's good coffee. Happy National Coffee Day, everybody. Hi to those that are tuning in here in Hour 2 on the Facebook live stream. Percy, thank you. Coach, good to hear from you. Gail says, uh, Hail State. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening in on Saturday. Now, over to the text line. Y'all text the show, 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN, or 885-3776. True Maroon said, let's play a game. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 28, 97 yards, and a touchdown in a two-possession loss. That's terrible. Terrible. Were those his stats last night throwing a football against the Chiefs? I mean, that is, for an NFL quarterback, I don't care who you're playing against. In 2020, that is a horrible night throwing a ball. Yeah, like, well, they didn't let him run either now. I mean, he, right. got, he got away a few plays, but, but you know, he didn't get on his game like he can. And it, for his passing game to be on point, he's got to be able to run for at least 50 to 60 yards a game. Well, or they have to be able to run. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah. He actually led them in rushing himself. He goes nine carries, 83 yards, and his longest right. run was 30. But the thing is, 
Okay, 158 yards as a team. So for him, other than a scramble, yeah. I mean, Mark Ingram goes for 30 yards on seven carries. Yeah. You know, plus they play him from behind, so they had to throw it some, you would think. But, I mean, I'm just looking at this going, how does any NFL quarterback against any NFL defense go 15 of 28 for 97 yards? That's horrible. Okay? We're talking about a Ravens team that because of that, they had 158 yards rushing as a team. Because of that, they're just barely over 200 yards of total offense. That's Joe Moorhead, 2018 Mississippi State type of offensive numbers. Just barely reaching 200 yards of offense. And the Chiefs are good. But the, anyway, the point, JB, I don't know if you got to see this in earlier text that came in early in hour one uh, from Chumaroon. So he says that was Lamar Jackson's stat line. 15 of 28, 97 yards, a touchdown in a two-possession loss. Right. Dak Prescott, 37 of 57, 472 yards, three touchdowns in a one-possession loss. And then he says, but guess who got criticized and ripped apart by analysts and talk show hosts? Yeah. Yeah, his little pirouette at the end of the game, even though he you know, threw that INT, it just goes to show you the moxie he has and that never-say-die. Right. You know? Stay up and do something to try to get a playoff. Which I'm not saying Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. Well, sure, right. I'm just going back to True Maroons. I mean, if anything, he ought to be defended for almost throwing for half a thousand yards. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Flowtown Ghost. Leech on any question. Nothing like being the smartest guy in the interview. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Unnamed Texture said, Thoughts on the involvement of Malik Heath in week one? Personally, I was expecting more, so... Uh, I didn't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, when you go out and you throw for over 600 yards in a game, just because one guy wasn't as much a part of it, it's. I mean, like, I don't know. There's really no blame to go to anywhere. It's just maybe they took it away. Maybe the reads went elsewhere. Um, I didn't think it was a lack of use. It's just you look at who the balls were completed to. They just kept winning and winning and winning matchups. <clears throat> and certainly Heath is capable of that. But um, pretty much, pretty much everybody that caught passes in that game has more Division One SEC experience than Malik Heath. Right. It was his first SEC game. First one. You know, first, first one, one out of the shoot. Yeah. You know, and he gets one catch. And I'll tell you this: I made the statement on Malik Heath's one-yard catch in that game. It was very important the way he fought and he scratched and he clawed in that particular situation to make sure it was a positive gain as opposed to a loss, given the way the play happened. Go back and watch it. And I made the comment during the broadcast of how important that was in terms of how you play, how you call plays. Now, they were good on third and long. But it's just another example of in any situation on any play, They had a team. Now, we'll see if they do it the rest of the season, but on Saturday they had a team where just about every single one of them would give the ultimate effort to just get whatever they could get out of the play. They were so aggressive. You go watch that one play for him. It was big. That one reception was big to turn it into something positive as opposed to taking that loss. Right. It took a lot of effort for him to do that. But, yeah, that's right. I mean, the other guys who caught passes – Kylan Hill, your leading receiver, we know. Osiris Mitchell, leading receiver last year. 
Austin Williams, big time. Javante Payton, second-year player, played last year. Tyrell Shavers, transferred from Alabama, has been over there. Cameron Gardner has got catches for State in the past. Dylan Johnson had a catch, new guy. Malik Heath had one catch, new guy. Jaquavius Marks had one catch, new guy. So that's, I mean, experience kind of won out is basically what happened. Bulldog Barney on the Country Pleasing text line. Let me say here, he says it would be kind of cool if we had a loud siren at Davis Wade Stadium. I remember watching old war movies and a loud siren would sound in the event of an air raid. <laughs> After ter- every touchdown, <clears throat> blow that sucker along with what a few cowbells do for uh, limited attendance. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they've thought about something like that. I haven't heard that they're going to do it, but I'm, I'm sure that there's been some thought about it. How about this? The Lane Kiffin t-shirt that said LFG. Somebody, I think, won this contest earlier. They said it stands for Leech for Governor. Um, LFG, <laughs> somebody texted in, less field goals. <laughs> uh, somebody said Leech Fan Gremlin. What else we got here? James said, uh, let's hear the clip after the game where he talked about the Patriots and the Chiefs we're already scheduled, so we came down here to play these guys. <laughs> oh, that's from Anthony. Uh, Anthony, look, um, that was great. I don't have that clip, but it was great. And he said, yeah, you know, the Patriots and Green Bay and the Chiefs already had somebody scheduled, so we had to come down here and play these guys. <laughs> White Denzel says, um, that's what Cuban, is it Cuban or Cuban? Coffee. Chicken Hawk was talking about on his call. Some we we did get some negative Chicken Hawk feedback. Somebody on YouTube said uh, Chicken Hawk gets too much time on the show. When when Chicken Hawk calls, it, I mean he just it's hard to stop him. There's really not a stopping point. I mean we'd be five minutes into it going, hooty hooty hoo, you know, twiddling our thumbs and we're just waiting for him to finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes sometimes. All right, Lane Kiffin. What did he say yesterday? He had his press conference, too. T-shirt and all. Here it is, a little bit of the Q&A. Lane Kiffin yesterday coming out of the loss to Florida, looking ahead of their ball game with Kentucky. All right, so practice today. Moving on to to Kentucky. Um, you know, we had meetings this morning, reviewed the game, and then moved on. And um, this is obviously a really good team we're playing. A lot of veteran players, uh, especially the offensive line. These guys played really well last year and <clears throat> and did some, you know, lost the turnover Saturday, but did some really good things otherwise. So, you know, we're going to have to play really well and we're going to have to get better in the areas we didn't do well in. Obviously, defense and negative plays on offense. So, uh, a lot of work to do. Lane, can you talk specifically about the challenges Kentucky presents uh, heading into Saturday? Well, I think they're very disciplined on defense. They don't do a lot of things, but they know what they're doing really well. Um, offensively, they, they run the ball really well, veteran offensive line. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we're still in beginning phases of them, but that's what I seem to know so far. Lane, do you think your, your past coverage problems on Saturday were more about uh, things going on on the back end or a lack of consistent pressure on Trask? I think both. I mean, anytime you give up <clears throat> the numbers we gave up, um, 
you know, it's not just one area. So we did not get very much rush, um, and we didn't cover that well. So that's not a good combination. That's how you, you know, like I said during the game, I said this is how you end up with, you know, a battle for the SEC Offensive Player of the Year between the quarterback and the tight end. But that was before that was before uh, Mississippi State had played, so that probably changed. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, the Otis Reese case is still ongoing, and would it be possible he could be uh, available at some point during the year? Uh, I do not know anything different on that. Um, I was told we were supposed to have some more information today, so I have not heard anything yet. We heard a lot about Brandon Mack during camp and didn't see him in the game. Is he still progressing? Uh, yes, he had been injured and so was not at full strength. Coach, after getting to watch the film from Saturday, what do you see from Mack Brown that you liked and where can he make some improvements going into this week? Well, I think he did a good job with his feet getting out of trouble. Um, I think he was very composed, really good adjusting with him on the sidelines. Uh, both quarterbacks were. and But his feet are a little bit all over the place at times in the passing game. And so uh, we got to clean that up because he was late on some balls that, you know, were really open that ended up being completed but could have been touchdowns. All right, it's a little bit of Lane Kiffin. Uh, talking about Kentucky, looking back at the game, he mentioned um, a little bit of both, but, you know, lack of pressure. On Trask, you know, and Florida's veteran, they're pretty good on their offensive line. They go for 51 points in a game. But one thing I didn't do yesterday was look at those numbers. Ole Miss had one sack in the ballgame. Uh, that's Sam Williams had one sack. They had five tackles for loss. They are credited with six quarterback hurries. And, you know, theoretically, a lot of times quarterback hurries – you know, sometimes can be just as effective as a sack, you know, even more so if you force them into a bad throw and it results in a turnover. You know, so pressures, they're credited with six QBH. You know, if you compare that, like Florida credited with half of that on QB hurries, but they have four sacks in the game, 11 tackles for loss. So just a little even more explosive on the defensive uh, side of the ball. You know, and you're talking about a Florida team that threw it 45 times. So 45 times we're throwing a football in some capacity, whether it's drop back or play action, whatever it is, 45 throws. And again, for Ole Miss, you come up with one sack in a ball game. That's not great. And so it does, you know, lead to a comfortable quarterback. And in that case, it led to an unguardable, coverable tight end. And, uh, uh, six touchdown passes in the in the uh, in the ball game. Jason and Flagstaff on the country pleasing text line. Chicken Hawks Cuban coffee sounds like the coffee they make in Bosnia. Came in a little tiny cup. About twelve minutes after you drank that nasty tree stump tasting crap, you were ready to run a marathon. <laughs> Maybe reckon something else was in it. Man, I'm telling you again. Try it. Coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany on National Coffee Day. MW247 said, Chicken Hawk is the man. I love it. You can't make it up. B-Dog2 said, uh, do negative passing plays subtract from total passing yards stats? Yeah. As far as I know, they do. They factor in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, so 
What, like, for instance, State had two completions in that game that went for negative five yards. One of them was when the offensive tackle uh, caught the deflection. Yeah. Dollar Bill Johnson. Yeah. You know, but it's a great job to do something and not let it be a pick right there because they were really backed up, you know. Well, most linemen want to get their hands on the ball anyway. Mm. Brian, he says, I'm experiencing Mississippi State overload. Ha. Hotty toddy. (laughs) I'm glad we can laugh about it, Brian. Just one week into the season, man. Just one week. Uh, Chris on YouTube uh, says LFG stands for Lane for Game of Thrones. <laughs> Maybe he's a big Game of Thrones fan. He just combined, he mashed that together and combined that all in the last word of the LFG. Is that what we're saying? Uh, RLD on YouTube says Alabama offense and defense greater than the LSU offense and defense. Just saying. Yeah. I'd say so. <clears throat> what do we have here? Dr. Paul. Have you read this? Have you perused this? Yeah, I have. Yeah, because what Chicken Hawk's talking about. <laughs> I just hope he's still listening. I, I wouldn't mention his real name, though. Well, I don't see his real name on here. Yeah, he, he gives it in parentheses. Oh, he does? Well, yeah. maybe I'm looking at a different one. Oh, okay, got it. All right, won't go with the real name. Dr. Paul, on the porch the other night, my wife said that Chicken Hawk lived behind her growing up in Morton. She said when he was about five and she was about six, he climbed up on her doghouse and <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> he said, think about that when he said he goes, Commando. <laughs> And then he finally, Dr. Paul finished this with, he does make me laugh, though. (laughs) I mean, we can outlive stuff, right? We can live stuff down. I don't know, man. We had a kid that used to do the same thing. (laughs) He would sit on the corner during football games, and and instead of walking into his house, he would sit on the corner of the street and just mess in his straw. Hey, just go. Just go, man. (laughs) And then he would want to get back in the game, and we were like, no, you're not playing with us anymore. (laughs) No. I mean, that kid, why does that kid who... In his drawers, always want to come back into the game. <laughs> they ought to know better. <laughs> hey, look, Dr. Paul, I appreciate it. <laughs> his wife knows Chicken Hawk. He lived behind her growing up in Morton. When he was five, she was six. He climbed up on her doghouse and. <laughs> 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 now look at here. Look at him, Chicken Hawk. Oh, oh my Tra- ears and head are <laughs> Trey on the text line is laughing so hard his side hurts. <clears throat> Me too. JB. JB's not going to be the same the rest of the show. Norman. Matt, National Coffee Day, isn't that every day, brother? Yes. He says regarding Dak criticism, it's almost like Jerry Jones has media trolls hired to rip him. It's unbelievable and a shame. It comes with a territory in the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. 
Uh, here it is right here. Anthony from Tupelo sent me a tweet from Clarence Hill Jr. who covers the Cowboys. Jerry Jones said Dak Prescott not being able to pull off the last play of the game against the Seattle Seahawks is the difference between he and Patrick Mahomes or even Tony Romo. They could have pulled it off. And then he said, wow, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. I listened to the clip, and I, honestly, I don't I, – I, I mean, I'm, I listened to the clip of what Jerry said, and I honestly didn't think that that's the way he meant it, really. Quote from Walton on the text line. A word of warning, though. If he does lay into you, it's best to just let him finish. Cousin Eddie's advice for chicken hawk. Trey said, Matt, that Clarence Hill quote was taken out of context. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought, Trey. I I saw a thing earlier today. Somebody tweeted out, said, here's a link to Jerry Jones. And, and I clicked it and listened. It was about one or two minutes. And, you know, he mentioned Dak in the conversation with these other quarterbacks, but it was in reference to a question about all these quarterbacks and their ability to extend plays. And... I didn't take what Jerry Jones said as him taking a shot at Dak Prescott at all. I, I just didn't. It, it's not how he meant it. <clears throat> I think that's people looking for drama. And they got plenty of it in Cowboy Land. Again, it just goes with the territory uh, for Dallas. MW247 said he's right about that Bosnia coffee. 2001 tour with the Army had it firsthand. You won't go to sleep for two days. Okay. LFG. Brian says stands for lame for governor. And True Maroon, I love it. He sent a picture that is a Photoshop of Dak Prescott in a New Orleans Saints uniform and said, let's do it already. I am on board. It would be the best thing that could happen to Dak, hands down. Replace Drew Brees, go play for the Saints and Sean Payton. Absolutely would be best for him long term. Y'all stick around. Now that is a stat right there. Cole Kubelik, um, former Auburn offensive lineman, part of the three-man front show over in Birmingham, and analyst on the SEC Network. Consecutive FBS pass attempts without an interception. Number one, Trevor Lawrence with 276 straight throws without a pick. Number two, Bo Nix. Auburn, 208, uh, 218 straight pass attempts without throwing an interception. Hey, JB, is more bully still hanging on? Yeah, he's got um, he's got some more fecal humor for us. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but this is pretty cool, and All it's right. it's self depreciating for him. So let's hear self deprecating too. <laughs> let's hear it, more bully. Thanks for calling. What's up? Well, I didn't know John was going to set me up like that. I wasn't really planning on saying anything, JB. <laughs> now you have to. So, so I was telling JB that uh, when I was about ten, I was playing shortstop, and um, I, and I told him I said I was playing shortstop because that's where the best athletes play, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I got a line, a screaming line drive hit right at me, and of course. I wasn't wearing a cup at 10 years old. I mean, I didn't even know what those were back then, really. And 
Matt, that ball hit me so hard, it created a fountain of diarrhea. Oh, come <laughs> on. Right there in the, the six hole. So <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. It was awful. Awful. Uh, you still with me, Matt? Barely. Just okay. barely. Right. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> but I do have a question. What's up? Uh, I haven't really been able to listen to come kind of my work schedule this week. Uh, what, where was uh, Lieutenant? Uh, where was the Lieutenant on the field on Saturday? Lieutenant, what do you mean? Oh, uh, Schaefer. Oh, Lieutenant Schaefer. <laughs> he played on special teams. I don't know. I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever got in the game on uh, on offense. But he did play on punt block, punt return couple of those yeah as a matter of fact if you go back and watch the replay you'll see him as the guy who was flying back there and trying to you know uh, i guess jump and get a hand on a punt at the wall of protectors right in front of the punter oh i remember that play yeah okay yeah cool yeah well uh listen being an sec quarterback like you were man how good is this guy yeah I mean, was that just an yeah. enigma? What, what was? No, no, it's not Is an enigma. No, 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 no. Uh, it's not an enigma. Um, I think. Let, let's see. Let me illustrate it in a couple different ways for you, more bully. I think that if we were to go back and do the research, that KJ Costello would be the highest rated recruit to ever wind up playing quarterback for Mike Leach. Like Mike oh, Leach, wow. like okay. if you go, Mike Leach said, "Yeah, I love the way he worded it yesterday." He was kind of asked about KJ Costello a little bit, and he was talking about how talented he was. He said, "Well, we obviously knew about him in recruiting." He said, "But we met him and everything." But he had all these other teams. He said he had USC chasing him around everywhere he went. In other oh. words, in other words, USC goes out, they pick out five star re- quarterback recruits, and that's who they recruit. Well, Costello's one of those guys. Okay. Um, he's, I'm not going to say talented, but we can say he is certainly probably the most highly recruited quarterback that ever wound up playing quarterback for Mike Leach, if we go look it up. So that's one illustration. The other thing is this, in a non-air raid type of system, in a Power 5 conference, Costello's already thrown for 3,500 yards one year. That's like 2015 Dak Prescott type of numbers. Okay, and he did it half of the time. He's under center at Stanford, throwing to tight ends and stuff. That's another illustration. And then I'll give you my own opinion as an illustration. Watching him on film, then watching him in practice, and now watching him in a ball game. He is naturally accurate. There are certain guys, Leach would tell you this, there are certain guys who are born with the ability to just be a little more accurate with the football than others. They'll make a throw. Yeah. They'll just make a throw and you're like, how does he how does he like walk it out there in this perfect spot like that? How does he do that? Because the rest of us, we're struggling like crazy to make it catchable. And he just flick and it's perfect. Some guys just have that. He has that. So he's huge. You see him out there, he's this huge guy on yeah. on top of being like this 
you know, he's got the personality just to fit running a team on top of the fact that he's really accurate and smart with the football. He's got a long way to go. He's not perfect. He's got to take care of the ball, all that. But I would just tell you that he's really, really good. So, with that being said, was last year's problem with our receivers the way the ball was being delivered to them? No. Not just that. You can't single just that out. Because, like, when Tommy okay. was health, when Tommy was healthy, he can, he can let it rip, man. I mean, he can show out that arm. Okay. It's not just that. It would take several hours to walk through all of it, but if I were to hit the bullet points, let me, let me illustrate the last two years under Moorhead in the past game. I think there's a quote from Daryl Royal going way, way back that sums it up. He said this, It's impossible to be aggressive and confused at the same time. And that passing game from quarterback to receiver to, at times, coach was confused the last two years. They, yeah. they didn't know what to call. They didn't know how to run what they called a lot of the times. They didn't know how to read it. They weren't sure they're going to get the ball. You know, you're, you're going into kind of mental lock over the thinking process. It's so complicated. Everybody's confused. To these same players who were tall, who were recruited, Javante Payton was a number one JUCO receiver coming out. Plenty of offers. And they targeted him like five, six times last year. You know, those they had ability, and now what these guys are is whatever is the opposite of confused. They whatever the so now whatever ability they do have is able to run full speed and just go. You know what I'm saying? I would, it, 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 so it's not the the last two years in the past game was not a personnel issue. It never was a personnel issue. It was a plan and a coaching issue. Never was a personnel issue. Huh. So I'm gonna leave you with this, and I think this is the only thing me and Chicken Island have in common, and that is. I was in F-O-R-E-S-T on Friday. <laughs> okay. See ya. See ya. <laughs> F-O-R-E-S-T. He has to spell it because the way he says it sounds like it's Farst. F-A-R-S-T. Jake, hanging on the line on the Divinity Equipment phone. Hey, Jake. Man, how's it going today, buddy? Man, I'm great. Thanks for calling. Matt, you are you are we are shall call you Professor Matt because you know how to break things down so so well that anybody can understand it. Um we and we do appreciate that how you do that. And I appreciate um, those words. Thank you. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Um Doc Rivers. I don't know if you brought that up. Um, I haven't. You and know he got fired. Yeah, I did see I saw the headline. What they fire him for? Well He didn't he win fired, with Kawhi. <laughs> Well, when you go three and one, and you're supposed to win that, you know that series. series. When you go three and one. Yeah. All you need is one more win, um, and, and and you let them come back. What four games and three games they beat you? You know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's he should be fired. Uh, this ain't the only series that he let this happen. I think it happened like two series in a you know two consecutive seasons. It happened like that. And when you have Leonard. And I think there's other guys playing. Uh, the guy with the beard, 
Uh, I forgot his name. Camp in Um When you have that too much, that much talent, dude, you should be winning. And they say that he might go on to Philadelphia. I think that would be a pretty good fit. But you know, I, I like Doc. You know, I thought he was a pretty good coach. But you know, you have to win. You know, you, just like you, just like you elaborate with more here. Mm-hmm. You got to win, bro. You know, you got to chuck up the doves. You know, and bring in the crowd. Yeah, that's how you keep your job. Jake, appreciate the call. Hey, hey thanks for listening and thanks, call. Sir. Yeah, call me anytime. Country please and text line, Jason and Flagstaff said, everything is stronger in Europe, Brother Wyatt. You should know this from living in Germany. Those countries don't take it upon themselves to babysit their people. Coffee, beer, even the Coke aren't regulated like they are here. And if you're an American, you're used to American products with USDA approval. The European or Australian versions of the same products will curl your toes. Yeah, I do know this. Um, so, bef- actually, school is ending and graduation hadn't happened. This is in 2000 when I was getting out of college. I went to Hamburg, Germany. Went, flew over there. Didn't get to go through graduation. Going to play football in the GFL. And I'm in the offices the first couple of days and we're watching film, getting ready. And the coaches were out of coffee. I said, I'll go make some. I didn't drink coffee at the time. I, was, I volunteered. I'll go down there and make y'all some. So I went and made the coffee in the coffee maker. They all went and got some when it was done. And then they be, immediately began criticizing it and said, Matt, this is awful. And the head coach walked me in there and he said, let me, let me show you how to make coffee here. And he pulled out the filter. He said, you see this coffee that's in this filter? It needs to be about three times the amount of coffee. He filled that coffee filter full of coffee grounds. Syrup came out into their cups when they poured it. It's a different deal over there. It really is. (laughs) Trust me. All right. Hour two rolling along in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. All right. Back with you. Rolling along here at hour number two of the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown Heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau insurance agent in all 82 counties around the state of Mississippi. Hometown Heroes. Dog Tired in Florence. Says there are places in the U.S. that has heavy foreign influence. I worked in the Venezuelan part of Miami, ordered coffee. They handed me a cup and six small paper thimbles. I shared with my crew, we heard the sunrise. (laughs) What is in that stuff? I want to know. I want to know what it is. Tiger David. I think this is important. Tiger David on the country pleasing text line. Now, JB, without scrolling back through it, I'm almost certain this is Tiger David who was offering 21 points to anybody that would take it. I believe that's correct. On September the 2nd, Tiger yes. David you got it. said, I'll give him 21 Give him my number. 21 points. He then said again on September 4th, LSU by 21, taking all bets. 
I wonder Late. if that's a pseudonym for Matt Moscano. <laughs> I'll have to let me play the reference there. Matt, I don't mean to be dismissive, man. I just don't think it matters. I mean, you know, LSU is, a, is roughly a 20-point favorite in that game, and I think they're going to win it by three touchdowns. We are so much better on defense right now than any part of the season last year. Hmm. Where's that Snoopy laugh when I need it? Oh. I love this Snoopy laugh. You ought to hear my daughter's impression of that. It's great. Look at here. Later on September 4th, Tiger David said, once LSU pummels MSU, and then he went on from there. Uh, A prediction on uh, Wednesday of last week, 48-13 LSU (laughs) with the word reality. On Thursday, LS, he said LSU starts just like they finished. High-octane offense is back. Matt, I don't mean to be dismissive, man. I just don't <laughs> think it matters. I mean, you know, LSU is, a, is roughly a 20-point favorite in that game, and I think they're going to win it by three touchdowns. And today, to Tiger David's credit, he's back. He's not hiding. Uh-uh. Real fans don't do that. They don't hide. That's right. They step- he, he comes back with his real emotions, doesn't he? And he said, I am embarrassed, sick, and mad to lose to MSU. Well, maybe this will make you feel better. <laughs> I, I need to know all the words to the fight song here. I... Enough, pal. Mm-hmm. That's all you need is music. The band's well. Tiger David, thanks for being a, a great sport. Uh, you're always welcome. Round these parts. Round here. Who sang that? That was a terrible song in the 90s. They became famous for. Oh, don't say that was a terrible song. <laughs> terrible it was a song. Great album of all time in the 90s. Mm. August and Everything After by the Counting Crows. The Counting Crows. The Counting Crows yeah. were a great example that you just don't have to be talented to be famous. Well, let me say, I'll take the line from one of the songs. It says, me, I want to be Bob Dylan. You, you want to be someone just a little bit more sexy. (laughs) That's not bad. I like that line. I'm a huge Dylan fan. Bob, that is. All right, it is time for the head-to-head matchup preview for this week. Hit it! Hey, man. Tiger David's about to puke. He heard Hale State. Now he's hearing Yay Alabama. The head-to-head matchup preview brought to you by uh, Matt Anderson Properties with National Land Realty. Y'all call Matt if you're looking to buy some land out there. You need a broker because he's got the 360-degree interactive drone touring of any piece of property you're looking at. You can just look online right there. 
He'll help you if you're selling property as well. Matt Anderson with National Land Realty, 408-5155. Anywhere in the state of Mississippi, 601-408-5155. I'm over at uh, winsipedia.com. That's winsipedia.com. Texas A&M and Alabama this weekend. Come on with that. So, um, all-time series, they've only played 12 times at winsipedia.com. Check it out, winsipedia.com. It's a great website. You can compare any two teams in the country, look at series history, look at the chronological timeline, win streaks in the series, largest margins of victory in the series, look at one team and all this information versus the other. I mean, it's all right there. Alabama leads the all-time series against Texas A&M 10-2. to two. 10 to 2. I'm looking real close. Texas A&M beat them in 1968. Beat them again in 2012, the Johnny Football Game. And we welcome you to Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa on the campus of the University of Alabama. Fresh from their thrilling victory last week, the top team in the country, the Crimson Tide of Alabama. And the Aggies of Texas A&M come to Tuscaloosa for the first time ever. And they come as members of the Southeastern Conference. So many ties between these two football universities that we will develop throughout the afternoon. Take a look at the SEC West. Alabama's on top, undefeated. If they win, they clinch the West. That's the way it's supposed to sound right there, y'all. That was a huge game. That was 2012 when Johnny Football took Texas A&M in there and beat them. It's the last time A&M beat them. It's only one of two times. How about this? The first time Texas A&M beat them in 1968, JB, 1968, Dallas, Texas. Yep. A&M won that game 20-16. to 16. Bear Bryant coaching for Alabama. You know who was on the other sideline, the head coach at A&M in 1968? I don't. Gene Stallings. Really? Yes, the Bear Bryant. He was Bryant. an assistant, I'm sure, right? No, no, he was A&M's head coach. Gene Stallings was the head coach. Yes, in nineteen sixty-eight. Yes, how about you gotta that? Be kidding me? No, I didn't realize he was old enough to do that. Because didn't Bryant coach him when the Junction Boys coached him? He was in the yeah. Junction Boys. Yeah, coached against him. Isn't that cool? That um, is pretty crazy. Here are the scores, though. Okay, so since that was the first time they met, that first year that A and M was in the SEC, Johnny Football leads him to twenty-nine twenty-four win over Alabama. Obviously, since then it's been all of Alabama. Uh, current win streak seven in a row. The scores 49 42, 59 to nothing, 41 23, 33 14, 27 to 19, 45 23, and 47 to 28 last year. So 
recently, all Alabama. They're going to play this weekend real quick, and then I'm come. Well, I hate to say it. Uh, I know Mo's hanging on. He might just have to, if he will, hang on until we get to the start of hour three. I know the music's about to start. This is what I was going to point out to you. We know what Alabama is. This year, though, A&M is supposed to be all that, right? Now, they've had opt-outs. It's been an odd preseason, all this kind of stuff. Jimbo Fisher there is back. Quarterback's back. Recruiting in the top five. And they went out and, for the most part, for the most part, went out and against Vandy this past weekend. 17-12 to was the final score Vanderbilt A&M this past weekend. Vandy went up first three zip. In the ballgame, as a matter of fact. First downs. Both Vandy and Texas A&M had 17 first downs. Net yards rushing. Vandy 105, A&M 183. A&M had a grand total. A grand total of 189 passing yards against Vanderbilt. There's only two distinct possibilities here. One is A&M was holding everything back to get through it to spring some surprise on Alabama. Or A&M's about to get run out of the stadium this weekend. Matt, I'll take the latter for $500. <laughs> and JB, and you will have been if you if it happens you will have been right about A&M since July. <laughs> Cuz you've been saying it. More on this matchup, and we'll get to Mo's phone call to start us off in Hour 3. Stick around. 